Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, update time. 2,400 votes in. 82% of you agree with me that it is not appropriate to ever pour liquid into a trash can yeah. in any way, shape, or form, whether it's taking the top off of your Starbucks coffee so you have room for cream, whether it's dumping out your your water that you use to preheat your mug. <laughs> you know, there is... I have an item of peacock swag. They sent me a whole box of peacock oh, swag. Oh, I know. There actually is the mug with the heater, yes. the heated mug. I thought Why about that. Why don't you just use that? You're right. Just use I, that. It, it is, but I don't want to give NBC the free, you know, pub. I want to give myself the pub with my Christmas. You are giving NBC. It's an NBC property, idiot. I know. It's me though. I like me better than I do NBC. Right. So sorry, you All know. Right. But that's what I got. But I have thought about that, Mike. I have thought about that many a times. Um. So, uh. Anyway, did you because wa- Chris won't use? Yeah. Won't use the preheated mug he preheats it with water he pours the water into the trash can and then fills his mug with coffee folks for those of you catching up with the show that's how we stumbled into this because 20 seconds before we were on air chris was scurrying around the studio looking for the trash can because the trash can is gone and during this latest break in the show we finally figured out why the trash can (laughs) is gone because they're sick of somebody pouring water into the trash can because it's not a big giant trash can it's one of those little office cans. it is right You're pouring a full cup of water into it every morning yeah. it's sitting there all day it's mixing with whatever else gets put in there so they said enough we're gonna have we're gonna have water in here every day we're just gonna get rid of the trash can so you poured the water onto the floor so um story time beyond that story, <laughs> oh i'd like to hear this that, let's <laughs> I, I i can relate and i i learned at a very young age the issues with putting liquid into the trash can. 1970, <laughs> five years old. And folks, this may be hard for you to accept, but back in those days, there was one time per week that cartoons were on TV. Saturday morning, that was it. Sure. There was no Nick at night, Nick Toons, Nick this, no internet, no nothing, no DVDs, <laughs> no iPads, nothing. Or surfaces. Back in my days, we had to walk four had, miles to get you to had, <laughs> You had a three-hour window to ever watch cartoons every week. Three hours, that's it. So I'd wake up on Saturday morning. I'd go bounding down the stairs, turn on the TV, get ready to get a big bowl of some sort of, you know, heavily sugared cereal and uh, watch cartoons for three hours. And I was so excited to come downstairs to watch the cartoons, I would bypass the room into which people normally enter when they wake up after eight, nine hours of sleep AKA and a empty their bladder. Right. Yeah. So I'd, I'd forget. So I didn't want to miss anything. The cartoons are on. So I would turn the volume up and make my way into the kitchen and, and 
pee into the trash can. <laughs> and, 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 oh, and, love it. and back in those days, back in those days, we also didn't have trash bags. <laughs> we had oh, the paper, oh, brown paper oh. bags from the grocery store that lined the garbage can that had all sorts of stuff in it, and oh. including, including my pee every Sunday or Saturday morning. Until like at some point, I heard my mom say, why is this always wet? And why does it smell funny? That's when I realized, you know what? I'm eventually going to get busted. I That one grazed me. No harm, no foul. But from now on, I'm going to add to the list, go into the bathroom and pee before running down the stairs to watch Saturday morning. Wow, wow, wait. Right. I was five. In my defense, I That's, was five. I, you're right. I'm not going to be too critical of a five-year-old. Definitely not. First off, I want to let it be known. Me pouring my water into the garbage can is a very new thing. I just got into this recently. So I just saw it. But, but I still... I don't see what's that horrible about throwing it in there. Now, I want to get into yours. Like, I just want to just a better image here. Could you were you also peeing into the trash can and like keeping an eye? Could you see the TV through the other Couldn't room see too? Couldn't see it. Couldn't see it. So Couldn't that's why it. you just turned up the volume so you could hear it and do that. Yeah, let's yeah. listen. We all got weird stories like that. Uh I t- I I uh I used to do something similar. And believe it or not, my age where I am at 40, even in my early years, the only time Saturday cartoons were on, I mean, only time ca- cartoons were on were Saturday morning. So I, I even got through that that time period as well. I had a thing similar, though, just to, to jump off here before we get back to football. I at, at a this young is more age, fun, actually. I got, I got into like a young age where I don't know if I was six or seven, where I don't know. One of my friends told me if you, you, know, you pee on the grass in the same spot, it'll turn yellow. So... I used to get up like on summer mornings and run out the front door, which one, what a, like what, I mean, the front door, I live in a neighborhood. I, I don't There's people across the street are like, oh, there's the Sims kid. And I would pee off the side of the steps of the front house onto the grass. And cause I was like, I'm going to see if I could turn this damn grass yellow. So yeah. a week or two went by and my mom's going, I don't know what's going on with our grass. You know, dirty Diana's all flustered. What's going on? What is and then one morning she caught me in the act. Then she was like, That's why the grass is yellow. What are you doing? You know, she get she laid into me. So uh yeah, the, we all got the, our stories. The, the, the public urination is just a few steps below the uh. Sims kid running outside and throwing his granimals down to his ankles, exposing himself on the, the front lawn. On the front lawn. Like, what was I thinking? Seriously. Oh, uh, well, I yeah. Um, and by the way, Pete asked me if I ever confessed to my crime. Uh, Pete, the thing about having an Italian mother, there is no statute of limitations. I never confessed. This may be the first time I've ever publicly talked about it because – you get a shoe thrown at you at any say, time. A wooden spoon You admit or to something. any type of misbehavior, no matter how old you are, no matter how long it's in the rearview mirror. If you did something you shouldn't have done and mom finds out, especially Italian mom of that era, there was corporal punishment. And I'm not, it was appropriate and accepted <laughs> yes, at the time. Right. And uh, that's why I never confessed. Yeah, I hear you. I, man, I think they need some of that corporal punishment back now in the modern day. I'm, I'm not against that, so don't worry. All Ooh, right, here we go. That was a shaky and now comment. we, and now. <laughs> Now we deviate back right. to football. Uh, Pete's saying stay on target yet again after we went off target there for about five minutes. But yes, I used to pee in the trash can. But but I can say this. Under any type of sodium pentothal, lie detector, I never peed in the trash can at NBC or any other workplace setting. <laughs> Me so, neither. Chris, yes. you, no, but I've never poured water in either. Oh, okay. So well, I got that going for sorry. me. Um, okay. Yesterday, the Ravens had a pre-free agency, I guess you call it, press conference. I don't know. Eric DaCosta spoke on a variety of topics. And now that Dak Prescott has his new contract, four years, $160 million, if you haven't been paying attention the last couple of days, Lamar Jackson is one of the guys who's on deck for a new deal. Here's Eric DaCosta talking about the hope in Baltimore that they can get Lamar Jackson signed to a second contract. Lamar and I have had a couple uh, talks. We did spend some time together a few weeks ago, and that went really well. Um, we haven't really gotten into the actual contract proposals, negotiations, things like that. It was more of a general conversation um, about a lot of different things, the team, Lamar, um, 
you know, just how we were going to go about a negotiation like this. There's definitely some different moving parts that make this different than a lot of other negotiations we've done. So um, I think from our perspective, it hasn't changed uh, from what I said postseason, which is Lamar is a really important part of the team. He's a leader. He's an outstanding player. He's a foundational type of guy for this organization. I really think he loves the organization. I think he's very appreciative of the organization and, and our stance and different things. And we're confident and committed to trying to get a long-term deal done. And hopefully we can get that done at some point, you know, in the near future. It may take a little time, but we're willing to try. And yeah, the Ravens understand that Lamar Jackson is the guy. The cautionary tale of Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Look, you know your quarterback better than anyone. And shame on the Eagles and the Rams in hindsight for getting it wrong, especially the Rams. The Eagles, I, I, I think that there's a little that more just justification. Falls into the yeah. Stuff happens category. Right. The Rams, it was why the hell are you doing the this? whole league oh, you're was still saying that. do it. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. Why? Right. Why? Why? And right. they I almost feel like they did it out of spite. I feel like that too. To, to tell those of us who were saying don't do it, up yours. Right. We're doing it. Right. But uh the Ravens know they have a winner with Lamar Jackson. Here's here's the reality. Because it's not like you walk right through the door now if you're Lamar Jackson and say, give me Dak Prescott's contract. Dak Prescott's contract was a product of his leverage, and Lamar Jackson is four years away from having the same leverage that Dak Prescott enjoyed. He'd have to finish the next two years of his rookie contract, one year of the franchise tender, and then be embarking on the second potential franchise tag, staring down the possibility of being tagged before he'd have that kind of leverage. Right now, this is the opportunity for the Ravens to do what the Cowboys failed to yeah, do, Chris. Yeah, right, right. The Cowboys failed to swoop in when the window opened and make him an offer he couldn't refuse. You got to make him an offer he can't refuse now because that number is only going to go up and up and up and up as time passes. Yeah, uh, 100%. And, you know, uh, first off, Lamar Jackson, as we all know, you know, I, I don't care. You know, everything is going in the right direction as a pocket passer. You know, he is a special, special player. And without a doubt, he is one of the five or six best quarterbacks in the game. Yeah, it might not be done the way that other quarterbacks can do it, but we're seeing development from him. Hey, the playoff game, it's 10 to 3. They drive down. He makes a number of great throws and gets them down there. Yes, I know he threw an interception, but I, I continue to see progress in the drop back pass game. And we talked about some of the other issues that don't lend it to being great for Lamar Jackson all the time anyways. The offense is not all really that creative in the pass game. You know, there is no legitimate threat weapon at wide receiver to dictate certain matchups and get defenses to do certain things that way too. So you got to take that into account. And then, Mike, you, uh, you talk about the leverage thing. I mean, you're right. He doesn't have that leverage that Dak Prescott does, but he does have a little leverage in, in one similarity. And where we talked about Dak Prescott and that team right now and the way it's built at this moment where the defense isn't good, the run game's not special anymore, and their receivers are special, and they need a special quarterback to you know make all that work and really uh, flourish and all that. Well, Lamar has that same thing there in, in, in Baltimore. You know, he has got them a little bit by, hey, they've gone, they've gone all in on Lamar. And building an offense that is unique to only him, really. It's really him and that's it that can do this type of stuff. So that's where he does have a little leverage to go, oh, okay, you don't want me? All right, well, good luck trying to run the, that offense or inventing a new offense or somebody else next year. Let's see how that goes. So he does have that aspect, and I would think that Baltimore and DaCosta, who's very smart, would, would realize that. And you're right. Get, out of, get on it now, right? Get on it now, especially with, I would think maybe you could get a guy like Lamar who knows he he plays a dangerous style of football to where he might look at it and go, whoa, you, you're going to give me, you know, $85 million guaranteed or something like that? Sure, I'll take it right now. Uh, I, I think it's interesting, and I hope Baltimore can get it done. And here's where it becomes critical for Lamar Jackson to hire an agent. Don't get caught up in 2%, 3%, whatever percent. And I think Lamar Jackson's got the bargaining power at this point because being attached to Lamar Jackson would be good for an agent's other recruiting efforts. You can negotiate it to 1% 
of the total value. Don't get caught up in that because a lot of times 98, 97, 99% of what an agent can get for you is a hell of a lot more than 100% of what you get on your own. The belief is it's going to be Lamar's mother and her lawyer who are involved in this process. But one of the important reasons to have somebody who's completely outside the family bubble, completely independent in a position to say the things that need to be said, part of what you have to say to a guy isn't just, you know, ask for more or ask for less or here's what we want to get or here's what you should try to get. Part of it is to get the guy to say there's value in waiting and to understand the risk of waiting, but to see the value in waiting. You know, um, Dak Prescott, I'm sure, heard many times, Chris, over the past couple of years from family members, friends, teammates who either were genuinely concerned about him or maybe put up to it by somebody within the organization. We know how the sausage gets made. Yeah. Even if they weren't doing it consciously, you hear a coach talking about it. You hear somebody else talking about it. Hey, Dak, are you sure? Dak, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to say no to. Think about that. How much is enough? How much do you really need? Yeah, Think no, about how I it's know. going to change I your life. You guys, that. You have, right. And, and, and so you, you need somebody in your corner who is saying, Stay on target, as Pete has told us multiple times today. Don't get caught up in that. Don't worry about what they say. Don't worry about them. They're not the ones who have to live with this decision. And and so it's not just, you know, urging the guy to push for more. It's also urging the guy to wait for more sure. and be patient. And, and you need someone who's going to give you good, sound advice and also lay it all out for you. You get to a certain point, and I've had agents explain this to me. At some point, there's an offer that is on the table that you have to say yes to, because what would you tell your own son? I can't say no to this. And and that's where an experienced agent knows when you're in that sweet spot. That's why, and, and look, I understand that there's, it's, it really hasn't gotten off the ground because I think most guys understand they're not equipped to make these decisions because they're making them once. Agents make them over and over and over and over and over again. Right. You need a good agent who can understand when that sweet spot arrives and when it's time to say, I'll accept uh, and that for Dak Prescott, it finally arrived after two plus years for Lamar Jackson, you know, it could arrive quickly, but you better be sure you're taking the right offer. You don't want to regret it two or three years from now. No, I mean, listen, I'm always in favor of an agent, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's can be a pain in the butt and yeah, you got to give them 3% or maybe you can negotiate and get something lower than 3%. But you know, the upside, as you've mentioned many, many times uh, to me is, is far greater than the downside in doing that. Here's the next thing I ask you. I mean, do you think Lamar's realistic enough to go, like, listen, it's one thing for Dak Prescott. You know, yes, he runs and does a little of that, but, you know, primarily a pocket quarterback who's a really big guy and with the quarterback rules the way they are and unable to hit them and be too physical in the pocket, okay, it's less of a risky you know, proposition for a guy like him than compared to Lamar Jackson. Don't don't you at least view it that way? I I'd say yes, absolutely. Yeah. But as you said, the Ravens have retooled their offense for Lamar Jackson. They they are in a corner here. It's not like you can go find somebody else and say, hey, go run our offense the way it's been constructed over the past three years. So uh, look, the Dak Prescott contract. Yeah. And and this occurred to me yesterday. The quarterback market was irrelevant to Dak Prescott's leverage. His leverage was driven by the franchise tag and the future. $37.68 million this year is what he would have made, and next year probably would have been an unrestricted free agent. Yep. So they had to give him something that made him say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. But now that he's getting $40 million a year from signing, now that he's getting a $66 million signing bonus, now that he's getting $95 million fully guaranteed at signing with $75 million fully paid out this year – other quarterbacks are going to say, that's my barometer. Right. That's my benchmark. Right. That's my F. That's what I'm trying to get to. And so uh, you know, by waiting until Dak's deal got done, it does get more expensive for the Ravens. Definitely. And, and, and you know what? Maybe the Ravens have been frustrated whether this was intentional or not. They don't really know who to talk to. They don't know who to negotiate with. They'd like to get this done. And maybe they would have liked to have gotten it done before Dak. Well, yeah. Uh, maybe, 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 maybe they just thought the Cowboys weren't going to get it done right. with Dak. But now that it's done, that complicates things for the Ravens. Definitely. And, you know, you're right about not being – like, listen, that's what people were frustrated about that with Lamar Jackson coming out in the draft. 
you know, not being couldn't able get to get in touch with him. Yeah. Couldn't get in touch with them. You couldn't, they couldn't, you know, schedule interviews, whatever it may be to try to get to know the guy better. You know, so I think that scared people. Certainly. Now the Ravens know him. We know that and all that. You know, the other thing I always kind of hey, hear. Chris, Chris, yeah. let me say this. Yeah, go ahead. One of the reasons he went 32nd, we've talked about this before, but let yes. me emphasize it right here. Right. One of the reasons he went 32nd, he didn't have an agent fighting back against Definitely. whatever narratives the agents who represent the other quarterbacks were throwing out there to pump their guys up and knock him down. You need somebody who is both defending you against that crap and, you know, it doesn't hurt to be throwing some of it back at some of these other guys. Sure. And maybe you do end up higher than 32nd, and maybe you're not the fifth quarterback taken in 2018. No, I, I think there's a real that, that's a real thing. I mean, there's no doubt. There was a faction of people in the NFL who were anti-Lamar Jackson, as I've told you, and people that pushed back against me at the owners' meeting that year when I made him the number one quarterback originally. It was just – it was constant. You know, it bothered me, you know, and of course I know Bill Polian made those comments, but there was, you know, a number of people out throughout the NFL where, yeah, I mean, uh, again, it just was almost disrespectful to him that way. And you're right. There was nobody there to fight against the narrative other than a few guys like me on TV and, and on the internet that were going, wait, what, what are you looking at? This guy is special. He's the real deal. Now, the other thing I always get, Mike, too, is this when I like talk about Lamar contract. Well, you know, he's going to slow down. He's not going to be able to run like this forever. I, I know that. He won't be able to run like this forever. But it's, it's not going to fall off a cliff here out of nowhere in the next three to four years. It's not. You know, yeah, he'll slow down, but he's still going to be one of the fastest guys on the field as he slows down. He will. He's a pretty. He does a pretty damn good job too. When you break him down, about not taking a a, a, a huge number of big hits. He's very slippery that way. Um, but but I don't look at it too to where well Baltimore in three years is going to have to change their offense because he won't be able to have the threat of the run anymore. No, maybe it won't be, you know, as big of a threat or as often. But that's still going to be there. He's going to be four years down the line, and I promise you if we made him run a 40, he'll still be able to run a high 4-4, four four, and that's damn dangerous at quarterback and, and special. And, of course, he's growing as a passer too, and the less and less he can run, that'll force him to become a better passer. It's, some, it's a point my dad always makes. You know, those legs are get-out-of-free-jail cards, right? You know, that's what happens to these athletic quarterbacks at times because they just go get out of jail free cards. Does that make sense? Get out of free jail. Get out of free jail, whatever. You know it. Get out of jail free. You know what I mean. Yeah, you (laughs) Free jail. But but, but my father makes that point a lot to go. In free jail, they pee off the porch. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Just do whatever you want. But, But to the fact of, hey, with a guy that athletic, he's always been able to get away with going, hey, one's not open. Okay, I'm just going to tuck the ball and run and I can make something happen. Why risk me sitting in the pocket and going through the read? But we're seeing him grow in that way and he'll continue to grow as he starts to realize, wait, my legs can't get me out of every jam in the history of football here. So I'm going to have to start to push the envelope about staying in the pocket. And I see all those things. It is all trending in the right direction for Lamar. I have no doubt that he can do that and will continue to do that as we go forward. So uh, I hope they get it done. I love watching him. He fits Baltimore. He fits their style of football, their attitude. Everything about him screams Baltimore Raven, John Harbaugh, toughness. We're going to kick your butt. And from that aspect, like a Dak Prescott, I think he represents the organization in a really great way, and I hope they can get it done. One more point that I think is highly relevant here. Let's go back to the 2012 season. The Ravens were entering the final year of the Joe Flacco rookie contract. He was a first-round pick of that team in 2008, and they didn't give him an offer he liked. So he bet on himself. He played it out, and he got them on the brink of a very difficult decision, non-exclusive franchise tag, and there were multiple teams thinking about swooping in and trying to take him. Joke would have been on them frankly, in hindsight, or exclusive franchise tag, and they they decided we're not going to do either of that. We're going to make this guy the highest-paid quarterback in football. And the way that their salary cap was, they had to tear it up three years later and make him the highest-paid quarterback again. Yep. They learned the hard way that holding back right. can blow up in your face. 
I wonder whether or not that's going to influence their willingness and their interest in getting this done now so they don't have to ultimately make him the highest paid quarterback in football if they wait for a couple of years I would think so it's a really smart organization I mean we've seen they're 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 pretty damn good in all facets of what they've done I mean whether it was Ozzie Newsome and now DaCosta and hey ownership everything about them I I look at the Baltimore Ravens and go yeah they've made some mistakes but it's never like anything glaring man they've been one of the most oh, rel- Earl Thomas. Well, yeah, Earl Thomas. That was a bad contract, certainly. I mean, I think they realize that. That's why they tried to get out of Dodge they admit last it. year. They know. Yeah, they, they know, know, right? They know. Yeah. But like, other than the Patriots, really, I, I challenge any. Like, have the Ravens been the second most relevant team over the first twenty twenty one years of of this you know century? I, I would say probably yes. I, I think so. When you talk about it from all twenty one years. And they're relevant every year. They contend every year. Right. They're good every year. And uh, that's one of the things you can take to the bank. As long as that structure's in place with the cost as the GM and Harbaugh as the head coach, they're going to continue to be relevant. They're going to continue to contend. And, you know, you're going to be on the porch. You're going to be knocking on the door. And yeah. every so often you get a good chance of kicking it in. All right, let's take a break. More PFT Live on this Wednesday edition will be coming at you right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, the Dak Prescott contract news emerged on Monday night. Still not official yet, but no reason to think it won't be. Four years, $160 million. Let's talk a little bit, Chris, about what impact this is going to have on the team. My understanding is they are bracing for bigger cap problems next year, right? not this year. And I, I, I think that Amari Cooper definitely will be gone next year. Because that five-year, $100 million contract is really a two-year, $40 million contract. This is year two. After this year, they can walk away with minimal cap consequence, no guaranteed money, trade him, cut him, and it'll probably trade him because a $20 million a year receiver is going to be very difficult to trade. I think he's done after this year. I think that's the easiest takeaway for me from the Dak Prescott contract, the easiest way to shed cap dollars is to move on from Cooper because you've got... C.D. Lamb. You've got Michael Gallup. You've got other guys who can play the position for a lot less than $20 million a year. No doubt. Uh, they're set up that way. I, I think first off, I mean, I, I think you're spot on with the Amari Cooper thing. I would imagine uh, there's a good chance that this is his last year at the Dallas Cowboys. The contract, it sets up the way you explained it exactly right. They can get out of it with minimal damage. He, listen, he does have a little bit of an injury history. We know that. You know, I mean, it's always it seems to be always something, you know, two years ago, there was a lot of nagging lower leg injuries and whatever else that was underwhelming. So he's always had to deal with that. And I think the bottom line is, you know, what you're talking about, you know, they're they're They are plentiful at the wide receiver position. It's pretty special. I mean, you just said those two guys. OK, and then you get into, OK, Cedric Wilson. 
He's a hell of a player for them. You know, they got other options at wide receiver. Even Noah Brown isn't horrible for them. I mean, there's plenty there, but you're right. I, I just think within that, I would see Amari Cooper being gone. And, you know, you brought up we, Zeke Elliott. I mean, Zeke Elliott, that's another one. I just, I have a hard time. I would think this is the last year for Zeke Elliott with the Dallas well, Cowboys. Yeah, go ahead. Here's the, here's the problem for the Cowboys. Because of the option, and, and, right? Well, it's not the option. It's the it's the rolling guarantees right. that become vested one year early. Right. His salary for 2022 becomes fully guaranteed March of 2021. That's the way you do a contract. You know, a lot of these contracts, it becomes fully guaranteed March of the year that the salary is due to be paid, so it gives the team a chance to get out of it. Well, the Cowboys, if they get out of it now, they still owe him – this year's salary, which is actually more than next year's salary, I think this year's is actually a little bit less. But either way, his salary for this year is already guaranteed. Yeah. So if you cut him to avoid next year's, you still owe him this year's. So if you keep him, you owe him next year's and this year's. And I think ideally you'd like to try to trade him, but who's going to take on no. two years for about $21 million? No. I don't think anybody will. No, this is going to be a tough decision for them. What about Urban Meyer? And – and. Uh, you know, a, a guy who knows Ezekiel sure. Elliott very well. Now, he's got James Robinson at a peanuts right. contract because he was undrafted uh, out of Illinois State. Would you think that's a lot? You got the cap space, but that's a lot to dump into your running back position. But boy, you bring Trevor Lawrence to town, and you got Ezekiel Elliott banging the ball between the tackles. That makes life a little easier for your quarterback. I, I get that, but I, I don't think I could live with keeping him at that number or trading for him with that number. I I, I couldn't do that right now. I mean, you know, we just have the gra the graphic that just before this on the bottom of the screen said it's he's got the highest cap number of all the running backs in football this year. You know, that, that doesn't match up. Uh, I, I mean, Mike, I don't know. I mean, decisions are tough. They might – maybe they have to look at Zeke Elliott and go – cut you or we got to restructure the contract go ahead see what else is out there but we'll offer you more than anybody else mill maybe right now but it just can't be at this number going forward it just it doesn't make sense I don't know how Dallas can make it work so that's where I I, I wouldn't be shocked if we start to hear those type of rumors here in the next few weeks I would not want to be committed to paying Zeke Elliott big money for 2022 that would be the big issue and I I remember that aspect of the contract that's the thing we liked about it right because it kind of like it put the the Cowboys in a in a handcuff you know every March to go wait we're, we're committing for two years down the road here you know what are we going to do they do have a decent a pretty damn good running back behind them I don't think it's that big of a fall off at this point of Zeke Elliott's career and I don't like saying this just so everybody knows because I I mean, I respect Zeke Elliott a whole lot, but I'm just talking business in the NFL here, and I, I think this could be a real possibility here over the next few weeks. Okay, here here are the specific numbers, yeah. so we're all on the same page. Yeah, cool. $9.6 million salary this year, fully guaranteed already. Right. Next year, $12.4 million becomes fully guaranteed later this month. Ooh. So they're looking at $22 million fully guaranteed to to Ezekiel Elliott if they have him on the roster later this month uh, or 9.6 if they let him go right now or if they trade him right now and also trading him now would create a 14.9 million dollar cap charge cutting him with the post June 1 designation has a 4.1 million dollar cap charge trading him after June 1 4.1 million dollar cap charge they've got some flexibility they've got some possibilities but th their hands are tied because of that contract that fully vests next year, 2022 salary in March of this year, he's in a great position. And all he has to do is sit back and say, Hey, my contract is what it is. Yeah. You want to tear it up? That's fine. You know, you owe me 9.6 million for this year, either right. way. And uh, if you hold me until the end of the month, you owe me 22 million over the next two years. Yeah. I, I, I that would be a stunner. You know, I've been I trying to spot. Goes? Right. The stunner. Where's there's going to be? I feel like there's going to be one where we say, "Holy crap!" Um, and how? And look at think of it from a PR standpoint, from Dak's perspective. If you sign Dak and you turn around and cut Ezekiel Elliott, doesn't that set Dak up for a lot of extra criticism? That because of you, because of your contract, your teammate got cut, your friend got cut, the guy that you came into the league 
Remember when they were rookies? We didn't know which guy was the rookie of the year. Sure. It was one or the other. Right. There was talk one or the other was the MVP well, that Z year. They Zeke had a great rookie season right. in 2016. Right. Yeah. But but the, the the point is, if they have to turn around and say, see you later to Ezekiel Elliott now to avoid the extra $12.4 in guaranteed salary for next year, it's going to be tough for Dak. He's already got pressure on him by virtue of the new contract. If Zeke is gone and they're relegated to someone else at tailback, that's not going to be good for anybody, but that may be their only way out of this mess, especially I, if they're concerned about the cap hit next year. I think that's the big thing. It's about next year. That, that's where uh, I, I, I don't think I could swallow that pill if I'm the Dallas Cowboys. I don't. And, you know, to your point, listen, there'll be a few guys in the locker room that'll say that, okay, I'm sure. But at, at the reality of the situation most of the guys who really get the NFL and how it goes, they're not going to look at it and go, it's Dak Prescott's fault. They're going to go, no, it's Zeke Elliott's fault. He just hasn't played as well. That's all there is to it. You know, there's just been too many runs like we talked about over the last two years where there's, there's too much meat left on the bone where you go, yeah, okay, that was a 15-yard run, but he's the highest paid running back in football, and it was one guy that tackled him. And I'd go, yeah, that 15-yard run was good, but if we took Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry or Alvin Kamara, I promised you that same run would have been 45 yards or 50 yards or Dalvin Cook might have hit his head on the goalpost like Derrick Henry. And that's the difference. See, that's where people get a little lost in stats sometimes and things. It's not always about what your stat was. It's about what did you leave on the field, too, that, that you have to take into account. And to me, that's the biggest issue with Zeke right now. And I, I really don't like saying it because he's a car crash runner who's killed himself and plays a tough brand of football. But unfortunately, as we know, it's a brutal position, and it does seem like it's starting to go downhill and in a hurry. And, and if I'm Dallas, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm parting ways with Zeke Elliott. Have you seen enough from Tony Pollard that you're comfortable with him taking over that job? Yeah, I have. I, I'm, 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 I mean, I like what I see. I mean, there's, there's times where you turn on games last year and you go, well, I'm not sure Tony Pollard's not better. I'm not sure he can't take you know, advantage of more of what's there to be had at this point. Yeah, maybe he can't smash his head and shoulders in there, you know, which would be a three-yard gain, and Zeke gets five or six. Tony Pollard probably only gets the three- or four-yard gain. But it's the other plays where I look at when he gets on the edge or there's a hole where I go, I'm not sure Tony Pollard can't take advantage of more at this point than Zeke Elliott can. And like you've said so many times, and, the, and you know, the Cowboys got a pretty – the Jones family, they got a pretty good eye for talent. To where I would think they think, hey, we, we can get another stud running back in here to go along with Tony Pollard and if we if we part ways with Zeke Elliott. In hindsight, though, you think about 2019. Yeah. Disastrous business year for the Dallas Cowboys. They blew their chance to get Dak Prescott for a hell of a lot less than $40 million a year, and they never should have paid Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, we in hindsight, we yeah. were banging the drum for Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. We supported him through his holdout. Get paid. Get paid. From the player's perspective, get paid. Sure. From the team's perspective, you got to know when to say, we're not paying. That's right. Whether it's the Rams, we're not paying Jared Goff. And the Packers are trying to work that now with Aaron Jones to get back to what we talked about last hour. Yeah, right. They don't want to get caught up in the idea that Aaron Jones has been a great tailback for us for four years and he's got superstar potential. He's a big part of the team. We can find another running back. We're not going to overpay for the running back who is currently on our roster. And the Ezekiel Elliott situation would be – Maybe the first thing that Brian Gutekunz points to, if anyone within the organization says, how can you take this chance? Because we're not going to be the team that is strapped with a tailback contract that we wish we hadn't entered into. Yeah, I, 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 I think so. Listen, yeah, we, we were banging the drum. I mean, we're, we're pro player that way. You're right. And, and at the time, you know, yeah, the team was kind of orchestrated around him. He had been the one to make it go. You know, we were the ones just saying, like, Zeke, now's the time to hold out and get the money. It, it, you know, it's Dallas's job to figure out the conversation about how much money, how long the contract is, and all of that. And it's on them to know, wait, how much does he realistically have in the tank? Do we really think he's going to be still a top three, top four, top five running back two, three years down the road? You know, that's that's where they they made a little mistake here. There's no doubt about it. But I think rather than compound that, and with some of the issues they have on their roster altogether, th that to me would be the, the, the move. And, it, yeah, it's going to create a splash, but I think it might be a necessary one for the Dallas Cowboys. 
We mentioned earlier in the show salary cap expected to be 182.5, a $15.7 million drop from last year because of the pandemic. When you have roughly a million fans at your games, which still seems like more than we ever would have imagined, when it's usually 17 million plus, you're going to lose money. It's going to hurt. And, you know, the other side of this to keep in mind, the players last year during the pandemic, they got all their money. They got all their checks. They didn't have any money that was put in escrow like the other leagues did. They got their money. They're going to feel it this year. But last year, they got it all. And also, the losses are spread over three years. So it's not nearly as bad as it could have been the issue for the players and for the teams. Don't don't think the teams just did that out of the kindness of their hearts. They didn't want the salary cap to be 160, which is what it would have been if they didn't have this deal to spread it out. And could you imagine the carnage and the chaos if the cap was going from 198.2 down to 160, Chris? Oh my gosh! I, I mean, it would it would be great for guys like us. So I mean, it would, it would be you know huge names, roster cuts, you know galore. It'd be going on all over the place. But yeah, I mean that that would almost seem unfair if it was that low or something like that. I, I don't even know what would happen. It wouldn't be good for the players, and of course, it would really be tough on some of the football teams out there too. But uh, the, the current reality, it is what it is right now. And Dallas, yeah, they've paid some players probably a little more than they should have. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, we again, we can look at the Demarcus Lawrence contract and go, you paid him like he was a top three or four or five pass rusher in the game. He's not that. He's, he's, he's nowhere near that right now. And that, that's another issue. So we'll see. But I think that, that Zeke Elliott one's certainly one to watch as we go along here. One of the complications of drafting well, you take too much pride in the fact that you drafted well, and it causes you to pay too much to keep around the object of your pride. Right. And that may be some place where the Cowboys need to take a step back and detach from any lingering pride they have in the fact that we we were right about Demarcus Lawrence. We were right about Dak Prescott. We were right about Ezekiel Elliott. We were right to trade for Amari Cooper. You get yourself into bad contracts when you allow, directly or indirectly, any sense of pride in the decisions you've made to cause you to make bad financial decisions when it's time to sign these guys. And that may be the core of what they're dealing with now because they've got some contracts that they probably regret and the question is, are they going to regret the Dak Prescott contract? I don't think they will. What they should regret there is the fact that they didn't give it to him yeah, sooner. Let's right. take a break. When we return, we're going to have a draft of the offensive free agents to come whose destinations we are the most fascinated by. Not where we think they're going to go, but just the guys that we can't wait to see what happens next for them. That happens next for us. We'll be back with more right after this. We had some fun yesterday with the Oprah interview of Prince Harry and, well, he's not a prince anymore. I think they gave up all, uh, Harry, whatever that long last name right. is for the Royals and Meghan oh, Markle. That's a good one. So, I like Josh. Norton some ideas there. that were suggested for other NFL Oprah style interviews. Yes, Kirk Cousins <laughs> and Stephon Diggs. T.O. and McNabb, that would be interesting even though we're 15 years past their, their ugliness in Philadelphia. And Ooh, I how, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. RG3 and Kyle Shanahan would be good. Matthew Stafford and Matt Patricia would be good. <laughs> and how about that? Oh. Bill Sims and Bill Parcells. There's still that great gif that, that is floating around of Parcells telling your dad, Shut up and back sit the, the F, F down. Sit the yeah. F down. Right, or, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, giving, it, giving it to Phil. Definitely giving it to Phil. Well, Phil, you know, was giving it to him back right there. And, and dad was not the type of guy that – that did that you know it was surprising and I think even at Parcells at first when you look at it he's a little surprised too like man this guy it's Monday night football and he's cussing me out on the sideline and I think Bill's you know New Jersey attitude finally came out and he went wait I'm the damn head coach here and he put dad in his place and dad laughs about it still because he goes I, I didn't know what to say after that I just went all right I'll go over here and sit my butt by butt, butt down on the bench Yesterday's draft was the Oprah-inspired NFL interviews we'd like to see today. Offensive free agent whose destination we're most interested in. The trivia question comes from Bill Parcells. Chris, very simple. What is Bill Parcells' first name? Wow. I, you know, I mean, I'm going to go with William. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, that's a good one. I mean, I only know him by Tuna and Bill. What is it? 
What's his real first name? Dwayne. It's Dwayne. Is that right? Dwayne Charles Parcells. I read his autobiography. I think it was kind of a semi, I don't know if it was an authorized biography or whatever. It, it, it's, it took forever to read it. It was that thick with tiny little print. Uh, somebody just started calling him Bill at some point, and it stuck. Good. I think that's the explanation. Right. So it's not Dwayne. It's Bill. And he didn't like to be called Dwayne. So the next time you see him, the next time you talk to him, just make sure you call him Dwayne. Chris, uh, or tell your dad to call him Dwayne I, I, the I, next time he deals with him. I might. I, All right. They talk. Uh, I think they, you know, they talk. They still talk. And every year, this is just a little tidbit here. Sorry to delay. You know, Parcells is really cool. He calls my dad. I mean, I think it's 20-something years in a row on the Super Bowl Sunday always to go like, hey, that was a great day and all those things. So that's pretty cool. Apparently, he was routinely mistaken for another boy named Bill when he was young, so he embraced it because he didn't like Dwayne and just allowed himself to be called Bill. Right. That is the story. And, and the, the, the book, uh, the Parcells book was awesome. It just took forever to read. I mean, when you have a long and rich life in football and there's a lot there He's to digest a great storyteller, and learn, it, right. it results in a very, very long book. All right, right. first pick for me. Juju Smith-Schuster, not the sexiest of names on the list, but when you consider everything about him and the fact that he's coming out of Pittsburgh, team MVP, all the stuff from this year with dancing on the logos and the Browns is the Browns, I, I can't wait to see how this plays out because I still think there's a chance that he ends up staying in Pittsburgh once he sees that maybe the gigantic money isn't out there. Yes, the production is there, but he's not a number one receiver. That's the problem. He's not going to take the top off the defense. He's not going to command double coverage. He's not going to be a guy you game plan against. He's a great complimentary player yes. to a number one. Will he get the kind of money he's looking for? Points bet says the Las Vegas Raiders plus 130. And then after that, yeah. Jets, Steelers plus 300. Right. Uh, you know, the, the, the Raiders have been linked to him for a while now, Chris. And they want to keep Nelson Aguilar. I feel like it's either or Aguilar or Smith-Schuster. Um, and it may come down to, hey, here's the contract. Whoever says yes is the one who gets it. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I would look at the Jets as being another team that makes sense there, too. With that offense, they're going to run, right? You know, the Shanahan system, all that. Those physical type of receivers who he can run block, he can catch those slant routes off of play action over the middle where he's running 100 miles per hour. And that's the one thing I don't think people who – haven't Juju Smith-Schuster is a specimen. He is a big man. He was recruited at USC to play safety. Uh, so there is a physical element that he brings to the game that most receivers don't. And you're right. He's not a number one superstar, but a really good damn player. And I don't know where, what happens there. That's, that's a good one. What do you think is a fair annual salary for him? Um, you know, I, I mean, realistically, off the top of my head, I mean, again, without diving deep into this and looking at other guys right now, I, I mean, I would think somewhere in the 14 to 15 range, right, right now. I mean, o the guys like Odell Beckham Jr., whose contract's outdated, he's like at, what, $16 million a year, something like that? I would think something around that range would make sense. I don't know. Do you disagree with that? He, but he's not a true number one. That's the thing. Yeah, he's not he's a, a really number good one. number two. I was thinking twelve to fourteen. Maybe that's but, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Maybe I'm a little high there. Yeah, I got you. Um, all right, my my next one is I'm uh, a little high. Cam Newton. <laughs> Cam Newton's the one where I'm I'm I just I go what what's gonna happen here? And not that it's like exciting because yeah, he's one of the five best quarterbacks in football and all that, but. I st I'm with him in that he's still one of the best 32, and I'm just interested to see how it unfolds. You know, maybe I'm even more interested if New England doesn't take him back. If somehow New England got a quarterback in there, that's where I I'm just interested to see how the whole Cam Newton experiment uh, all together and, and who might take a chance on him to, to be a starting quarterback or even say you're a backup, and I'm going to go, whoa, okay, we're bringing Cam Newton to backup. Let's see how this goes too. So I got my eyes on that. Next one for me, same position, and I agree with you, Cam Newton. It is fascinating. Will the Patriots bring him back? Bill Belichick praises him. He seems like he wants to go back. Jameis Winston, where is he going to go? Mm. Is he going to stay in New Orleans and compete with Taysom Hill or be a second quarterback in a two-man rotation? Or is there a team out there that is plotting all of its various opportunities and maybe is going to trade for someone, maybe going to trade up in the draft, and just decides, you know what, we're just going to go with 
a bridge. We're going to go with a stopgap. We're going to go with Jameis Winston. We're going to make him our guy. I mean, that's right. a possibility for Chicago and some of these other teams. So yeah. I, I, I think, you know, he's a guy who has a, a pretty good resume, and he was the number one overall pick in the draft, and he gets knocked for the 30-year or 30-interception year from a couple of years ago. But I still think he can play, and Sean Payton thinks he can play, and uh, I'm interested to see where he ends up. Yeah, I am too. I think the really good offensive coordinators in football are going to look at Jameis Winston and go, damn, there's a lot of good there, and I think I can out, you know, coach out the bad, like kind of Sean Payton or what he thought. So I get that, and that's you're right. Like the Seattle traded Russell Wilson, and do they look to Jameis Winston, something like that? I don't know. Um, Trent Williams. Trent Williams, I'm intrigued by that. Trent Williams is the best left tackle in football. You know, it's a weird circumstance. He was out of football for a year, but I'm interested, one, and because, hey, he's from the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, how much they value tackles. He's amazing uh, in so many ways. Forget the pass protection. The run game is phenomenal as well. And I just, can the 49ers keep him? I guess that's where the intrigue is there. And, of course, I think there'll be a big market for him. It's just about what he's demanding as far as money is concerned. We need to take a break. We have one round to go in this draft. We'll do it when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, one more round to go. Offensive free agent that we can't wait to see where they end up. I'm going to go Aaron Jones. Ah, now that the great. Packers are not going, well, you could have taken him yet. This is round three. I know. Uh, now that they didn't tag him. I, and I'm I'm curious where and how much. Yeah. Because last year when Melvin Gordon became a free agent, it was eight. All these other guys who re-upped with their current teams got bigger contracts. What's Aaron Jones going to get on the open market? I saw someone suggest $15 million a year. I, mm, no. I, I, I would be willing to wager a significant amount of money, not $15 million, that he's not getting $15 million a year. But uh, Aaron Jones, uh, where he goes and what he gets to me are very fascinating. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. That would have been my next pick as well. I mean, just because, hey, listen, he's important to the Green Bay Packers and what they want to do. They don't have a running back that's as talented as him right now. But, yeah, you know, there, there's other teams out there. You know, we've heard the Miami Dolphins. They, they would like to have a game-breaking type running back. The New York Jets make sense. It's, it's, it's Mike LaFleur. You know, they're going to run that system. We know that he's a home run hitter that way, you know, and, and fits that totally. So I get you there. I am really interested to see what he gets paid and who really, you know, makes a play for him. I think my last one here, you know, I'm, I'm interested in T.Y. Hilton and A.J. Green and Curtis Samuel, but I think Kenny Galladay, who we talked about earlier in the show, I think that would probably be the number one guy. Shocked he wasn't franchised by the Detroit Lions. I think he'll be a hot commodity out there. I don't think anyone's going to want to pay him like the three or four highest paid receivers in football, but – I do think he's going to be able to command a, a pretty little penny here and get a big chunk of change. And I'm just interested to see who gets involved in that. Another guy we've forgotten about. Yeah. At least I forgot about Kenyon Drake. Transition yeah. tag last right. year with the Cardinals. He's gone now. He's not tagged. He's becoming a free agent. We'll see what someone pays him. But he's got some potential out there. What will the market bear? That's it for today's show. Chris, some sound advice for anyone out there who's been paying attention for all or part of the last two hours. Don't pour liquid into the trash. Don't pee into the trash. And don't run out your front porch, strip down to nothing, and pee <laughs> on the grass because you'll kill the grass. <laughs> Things you learn watching this show. See We're ya. good. See ya. <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.